Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Well, it was a great day for Canterbury Cricket yesterday. They had plenty of them. Uh, not only did the Kings beat Wellington to reach the Super Smash final, but uh, the city of Christchurch also took a test match off the capital. So Hagley Oval will now host both test matches against South Africa next month. That means twice the work for our first guest this morning, Hagley Oval head groundsman Rupert Ball. Rupert, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Morning, Smithy. Thanks for having me. Uh, look, hey, just first of all, uh, Hagley Park itself is such a huge expanse and they play a lot of cricket on the out, outer ovals and things like that. Is your responsibility stretched that far or are you solely within the perimeter of Hagley Oval itself? No, no, we do We do all of the the wider 170 hectares of Hagley Park, including you know, the turf and the Botanic Gardens in Central City, Mona Vale and, and those areas as well. So we've got a, a pretty vast team that covers a lot of the area. In the park. So, how many staff? Yeah, so, um, we run about twelve staff in the Hag- Hagley Park facility, and then we've got a, another crew that look after the Napunawai Athletics facility there, with um, rugby league fields and the other sand carpet premier kind of sports fields around the city. So, in all in all, there's about about sixteen or seventeen of us in our team. Cool. So, um, yeah, Rupert, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it is. Three tests uh, in six weeks. Normally you're looking at perhaps one, maybe two in a whole cricket season, but three in six weeks, exciting, but really challenging for you. Oh, extremely challenging. But, yeah, I think you're, you're right with the exciting part. It's, you know, it's a real privilege to prepare test match wickets. And we're, you know, really lucky to get one, you know, at the start of the season, or two at the start of the season anyway. So to have this one thrown in amongst the crazy times we're, you know, we're living in now is... It's pretty exciting, but you're right, say um, there's a, a bit of work to do. I don't think um, I've informed yesterday that we haven't had back-to-back test matches at the same venue since 1930 at Eden Park um, against England. So it's a pretty unique situation to be in, and hopefully we can kind of deliver two good pitches. Right, people that perhaps don't know too much about cricket pitches or blocks, we're going to edu- try and educate them in the next uh, few minutes anyway, <laughs> uh, Rupert, with, with your help. So how many cricket pitches can you make on the block in the middle of Hagley Oval? How many can you make in a season? Uh, we've got 11, 11 pitches on the block. Um, they're all you know, fit for purpose for maximum size boundaries. So we've got a, a fairly big playing surface. Um, and we generally use every single pitch on the block through you know, Plunkett Shield, Ford Trophy, Super Smash and Internationals and some community club cricket thrown in there um, when we've got extra windows so um, we were lucky enough to have a have a pitch there ready to go that's worked out really well with you know them trying to minimize the risk that we had a spare pitch that we could accommodate two tests and the and the upcoming women's world cup as well some test uh, cricket blocks will have different kinds of soil um you know that that's just their constitution and the delivery had made that way is that the case with yours or, or is your soil constant for the, the entire block we have um, all of we've we've got ten strips of kakanui clay, um, but we have been trialling a a new clay which we call the Robins, um, 
named after Mike Robbins, who's kind of invented this clay that we're trialling. So it's been in the block for a couple of years, and we're just trying to learn more about different clays and what they might do. I mean, with our climate, we're always trying to get a little bit more creative what if pitches can break up or, you know, do something slightly different or add, add a different element to the game. So we're, we're trying to learn a little bit more about different clays, and we're, you know, in the process of exploring some different pockets of the country to look for, for different sources of clay as well. So we don't want to just rest on what we've got. We're trying to get better at what we do and, and look for different sources as well. But, yeah, all so, those wickets and yeah. stuff is going to be kakanui. Sorry. So, so Rupert, Hagley Oval, um, the pitches we've seen, I guess predominantly have had a, a relatively green tinge to them. Um, is that what we're expecting perhaps for the Proteas this far out? Yeah, I guess um, our stock standard pitches, you know, generally have to go on looking reasonably green to try and create that, that pace and bounce, which, um, you know, which we're after. Um, but, yeah, like the second test is going to be reasonably challenging because we, we won't be able to put as much water into that into that surface while the, test, the first test pitch is going on. So we've got the three-day window to try and tweak and, and get that second pitch um, where it should be. And obviously weather conditions will play a big part on how that, that second pitch plays. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point there because normally throughout the day um, when there's no cricket around, you've got free access to everything, you can do what you like, but uh, when they're playing um, a test match uh, um, on one pitch and two or three pitches across, you've got another one looming. I mean, you just can't get it. So first of all, how do you protect that surface? Because you don't want it to be scarred or scratched up too much going into the, the new test. How do you protect it? And how how are you able to work on it? Um, we're not planning on putting any covers or anything protective-wise on it. We're just going to hopefully try and prepare both surfaces at the same at the same time and be able to just try to hold that second one over and and keep it in the right state. So it's obviously not too soft. So like you say, we don't get that scarring, but it's also kind of ready to go, and we can just tweak that final kind of surface to get to get where we need to be. But the base, the base compaction will be kind of prepared at a similar time as the first one and just kind of hold everything over. That's the plan at this stage. We've done it a couple of times with Plunkett Shield games um, reasonably successfully with back-to-back games. So hopefully we can use, you know, we've got a really knowledgeable and passionate turf team there that hopefully will, will make, it, make it happen. Well, I suppose during the lunch break you could give, uh, give it half an hour of rolling. Um, and then, of course, you get straight on afterwards. Is, is, is that an opportunity? Yeah, that, that will be an option. Um, typically, we we try and avoid rolling in the middle of the day because we can lose, not lose grass cover, but you can brown off the surface really quickly and you can change the colour of the grass and grass strength. So the majority of the work will probably be done um, in the mornings of the test match. And at the end of the day, uh, the fourth umpire comes out and we're allowed to kind of give the test pitch a wee syringe once the of water, once the the covers on the on the actual playing surface itself, so we're allowed to put a little bit of water on throughout the test match, which will be helpful. Okay, and uh, it's interesting now. Um, is it possible uh, to age a test pitch before the game even starts? If, if you get my drift, I mean, we see it overseas. Is that you know that where test pitches don't have grass? I mean, that maybe soil content it might be whatever. But in New Zealand, we traditionally have grass. But is it possible, Rupert, for you to age a pitch? before the game even starts? I mean, that, that will potentially happen. If we get, um, you know, some some hot days during the test match and we aren't allowed to put on 
you know, the kind of water we would normally, and there's some running over it, you know, and it's a little weird here of the players, you know, fielding stuff. There will there will be some natural ageing of, of the surface that you wouldn't get for a, just a one-off test match. So it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how it how it goes, and I guess, you know, we're even a little bit unsure how that's, how that's going to play out, and a, a lot will come down to, to the weather conditions. If we get some mild days, it probably won't change too much, but if we're if we have some good hot weather, then you know it will be very interesting to see how it goes. Here's a myth that I'd like you to squash or confirm: uh, <laughs> Are you encouraged to make a certain style of pitch by home people? <laughs> I probably don't want to get myself in trouble here. Um, but I think we're encouraged <laughs> to prepare a wicket that's um, suitable to our natural climate, and that's kind of what we do. Um, you know, we're limited with, with our weather conditions and our soil types and our grass types with what we can deliver. Um, and we just try and deliver the best pitch we can with, with the most pace and bounce. And I think, you know, the Black Caps has had a lot of success at Hagley, so we kind of want to stick to that recipe to, you know, see some positive results. So what, I, what I'm basically saying is Gary Stead's phone number's not on your phone. It's not on your phone, is it? Um, yes, it is on my phone, but yeah. yeah it's, there's, there's, um, there's not really, you know, like a forced line from New Zealand cricket in terms of, you know, you must prepare this surface. Um, there's dialogue in terms of first-class cricket in terms of what, you know, high-performance units are trying to see out of pitches. So, you know, pace and bounce is just, is just the mantra, really, for... For New Zealand cricket at the moment. Uh, the interesting thing about this series too, uh, Rupert, and you know, you know your cricket as well, obviously, as well as your pitches. But South Africa have got a great pace attack as well. So traditionally, this could be fire against fire. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I watched a lot of the uh, South Africa Indian series, and you know they've got some, the new left arm quick, who's as tall as Cole Jameson, and Nokia's back. I think so. They they're going to be um, Rabada. You know, they've got a they've got a quality fast bowling lineup, so it's going to be really exciting to watch actually and you know it's going to be cool to watch back-to-back tests and enjoy the cricket well now the other thing of course uh, you've got coming up which is going to have uh, place a lot of emphasis on on what you prepare is uh, the women's world cup you're hosting the final or semi-final as well as pool games a lot of traffic on uh, on that particular surface that block it's going to be so busy this year so uh, man, that, that's and all of a sudden you're talking a, a, a different form of cricket. We're talking limited overs cricket. So uh, there again, how do you prepare the perfect surface for limited overs cricket as opposed to starting a test match? Well, uh, do you have a, uh, an absolute theory on that or is it climate governed again? Um, it's a little bit climate governed, but we can go a little bit harder with, with our one day and T20 surfaces in terms of um, rolling and um, doing the extra stuff because it doesn't matter so much if the grass is bruised off and brown and it's kind of preferable for um, obviously short format games um, but for the for the test match you've got to be really careful about the times of rolling so you don't you know overdo it too much so there's, there's a little bit the, the base concept for the, the wickets are the same you're still trying to keep the moisture keep the compaction and get as much pace and bounce for both surfaces but obviously you want to do a little bit more for a, for a test match Hey, well, Rupert, yeah, it's been it's really great cool. catching up with us. It's been a great education for me, actually. I've been around cricket for a long time, but it's always a bit of a myth, making cricket pitches. Uh, I've never been one to be able to read them. Uh, if, if they're green, I assume they're going to seam, and if they're brown, I assume they're going to turn. I mean, that, that's about my uh, level of education in it, but uh, I've got to say, the ones that you come up with are result pitches, and I like that because cricket needs that. So 
uh, keep up the good work and uh, I'll be very interested to see how you can prepare two, uh, three days apart and uh, it's a real challenge for any groundsman around the world and as you say, I don't think I can recall too many uh, 1930 in this country, I don't even recall too many around the world. So uh, good luck with the challenge, mate, and thanks for talking to us. No problem. Thanks very much. Jess, uh, Rupert Bull here, who is preparing both test pitches against uh, South Africa, and they will be a matter of metres apart. That's all, uh, because uh, with test cricket, basically you're looking at uh, two services in the middle of the block uh, because that uh, gives you equal boundaries on each side, and, of course, uh, the importance then, you, you also have to notify the television companies because they've got to set up their scaffolds, et cetera, uh, to align their cameras down the pitch. So, you know, you have to, and, and you can't have them too far away from each other. So uh, it's a lot of work in, involved. And I can tell you, um, you know, when people fielding close to the wicket, uh, those guys that field at short leg, at cover and et cetera, they come screaming in and, you know, they scar the pitch. Those are the things you dread as a groundsman because you want your pitch on the first morning to look absolutely pristine and you just do not want <laughs> all the scarring or evidence of uh, traffic on it before a ball is bowled.